podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Manchester United Redcast. It's me, Chris Curley, once again with a man I've known a long time who at karaoke only sings songs with Ben or Paul in the title. All I can say, there's a deeply emotional moment when I hear him sing the Michael Jackson song, Ben. It might be a paedophile singing about a dead rat, but he really makes it his own. Yes, Ben Paul is with me here once again. Ben, how is your karaoke coming on? Never mind my karaoke. I seem to remember you coming on to the Sunday show in 1997, live on BBC Sunday mornings, uh, singing Elvis as an Elvis impersonator. That that is correct. Series series 4, episode 11 of 12. Um, that's the one you're thinking of. Yeah. When I, it was a segment we had called Chant for Europe, and I came on as an Elvis impersonator because the Elvis impersonator I booked went into labour with his wife kind of thing. And um, I ended up singing a football song from Heart of Midlonian about Jim Jeffries in the style of Elvis Presley. That is yeah, indeed correct. I know, because I think I was getting letters of cease and desist from Colonel Tom Parker's people for the rest of the year. Well, I was getting booked for Hindus afterwards. <laughs> For Hendo, what? Hendo. I did a Hendo a few months later. Yeah. <laughs> well, I paid 50 quid just to, to um, serenade this woman who was going off to get married in Las Vegas because she was an Elvis fan, right? And at the time, remember, this is 97, 98. I actually didn't know many Elvis Presley songs. I went into this bar in Manchester and instead decided to sing uh, Robbie Williams songs in the style of Elvis Presley. So she got Let Me Entertain You with an Elvis twang. Can we, can we, oh, if only we could hear that now, but we just don't have the time. It's best left to the imagination, I think. Um, let's talk about how the West was drawn and near and only this week. Oh, very good. Had, um, West Brom in the, uh, West Brom on Sunday and West Ham in the Cup, which was a moribund uh, affair, I think, in midweek on BBC One, would you say, against West Ham? Good word. Moribund, turgid, um, dire. I think um, it was depressing watch, wasn't it? I mean, I mean, six and a half million people tuned in that night, and um, for a very slow, boring display. But we were saved by McTominay in extra time, taking us through to a quarter final against Leicester. Do you know what he's he's very capable of playing that attacking midfield role, isn't he? He scored three goals in three games. He should have scored at the weekend. I quite like him in that position. Yeah, but, I mean, it was. Um, there was some. There was just some. Um, I thought Ollie actually made some good tactical change by changing the fullbacks after ninety minutes. It really gave us a bit more energy um, yeah. going forward because we didn't really do very much, and it was, um, you know, it, it was kind of like, okay, we've got a result, move on. Let's get onto the main course of the week, which was West Brom, um, which got off to the worst possible start, didn't it? Jeez, I mean. <sighs> How many more bad starts can we take away from home before our luck runs out? Well, I'll give you the answer. This one. <laughs> the R, I mean, out-muscled is the, is the key word for the day. It just showed how weak our centre-halves, especially Lindelof is, to get so out-muscled by Digne, whatever you, however you pronounce his name. Yanye. 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 It showed his weakness, real weakness. That should never have stood. Well, let's analyse that goal a little a little bit more in, in detail. Because I think, you know, you look at the triangle of Lindelof, Maguire and, and De Gea, and, you know, how did that goal come about? Obviously, Allardyce would have said, 
to them, get the ball wide, put the crosses in, put the centre-backs under under pressure. That was his tactic. And after two minutes, it worked. Um, Lindelof and Maguire dropped too deep, if you look at the replay, allowing the cross, meaning the fight ball between Lindelof and, and the striker was, was on. But at the same time, if you do look at that replay, Maguire, the ball is quite high in the air for a long time. I'm sorry, not Maguire, De Gea starts to come. He takes a step and a half, two steps forward, as if he's going to come. And that would have been because in Lindelof's eye line, the way his body shape was. And I'm just wondering if that affected his decision about whether to attack the ball. It shouldn't have done. But De Gea's uncertainty was certainly a contribution um, to that goal, I felt. That's a good take on it. I never actually saw that. and Well, I never actually saw it, but I never clocked that. Um, do you think that would have happened with a more dominant uh, goalkeeper in the area, a, no. a Hendo, not not Hendo? But it's interesting, isn't it? Because you know, there was a lot of talk in the week that maybe this is the time we give Henderson a go. So the Gea would know that he would know he's not in good form. It's the first two minutes of the game; he hasn't touched the ball yet. And I just thought there was a bit of indecision on his part about physically his body language. He did step forward looking like he was to come then backed off so he's unbalanced Lindelof would have clocked that um, and a goal 1-0 down with only a few minutes to go and once again away from home we're, we're behind I know and I didn't feel because Allardyce had put 10 men behind the ball I didn't feel that we could break down that quickly and I felt the longer the game went on, in that, especially that first half, that we were going to rue any mischances. And there were a couple of mischances. I think Cavani scuffed one. But they, they didn't give us much space up there. And we didn't have that sort of driving presence of Pogba to take the ball forward and create chances and to spray the passes around. You know, again, we, we started with two defensive midfielders. I'm not a great fan of that. I do, you know, if, if it means that McTominay plays in a more advanced role, then yes, but he didn't. He, he I'm not a great fan of it. I mean, I think it's a classic point of having to play Fred and McTominay is because of Lindelof and Maguire, right? Yeah. Yet, the protection that Fred and um, Lindelof make still doesn't, don't, doesn't protect Lindelof and Maguire. So let me talk about what I mean by that because um, I've got a few stats for you. If you compare um, Lindelof and Maguire to say the great partnerships that we've had in the past, right? So the Mo- Bruce and Pallister in the in the nineties, the first Dolly and Pallister, Dolly and Daisy, whatever they Fergie called them, you know their average um, number of goals they conceded their, per game was zero point seven nine. That was across one hundred and twenty five games across five years, right? With them, um, and that included Schmeichel, Bruce, and Pallister, with Van der Sar, Ferdinand, and Vidic. Their average goals conceded per game was 0.7 across about 96 games from 2006, this was, to 2011. So they're virtually identical and shows what a strong triangle yeah. you need to be successful. Whereas, and remember, they had like people, you know, people in front of them were attacking players as well, right? They didn't have necessarily two sitters all the time in front of them. No, they'd have a, a Skulls and a Keen or... Bought on a Skulls, they would have a Carrick and a Skulls, you know not necessarily two defensive-minded players that you'd say Fred and McTominay are. Mm. So by comparison, De Gea, Lindelof and Maguire, over 51 games since 2019, they are conceding one goal a game. Yeah, That's just too many. Yeah. Just too many. And I think... You don't win the league by letting in 
anything up above those 0.7s, 0.8s. Totally. And so, you know, I, I've, I think I said this last week, actually, that I thought, you know, Bailly coming in would complement either of them because Lindelof and Maguire are kind of the same. They've got the same issues in terms of one soft, they're both kind of soft physically and you can out muscle. Lindelof gets, um, sorry, Maguire gets done down the channel and turns. And so they're not, they don't complement each other. Ferdinand and Vidic, you can tell, one was a sweeper, one attacked the ball. Bruce attacked the ball. Pallister swept up because he was super quick, Gary Pallister. Mm-hmm. People forget how quick he was. He was the quickest in the club. And so they're missing that. And therefore, they're defending too deep, bringing pressure onto themselves. And you've got an indecisive goalkeeper who whose mistakes are costing um, are costing points now. And they weren't before, but now they are. Well, Gary Neville this week was saying that he thinks we should sell both of them. And look for a world-class I think he said, like, you know, you can only play one of them, really. You know, that's what, I think that's what he, he was getting at. Um, he doesn't think it'll be, it should be De Gea. Which oh, he's going to tell you both of them De Gea, yeah. Well, he's, well, we'll, we can, might come on to that about when's the time to um, make those changes and find those things out. I mean, the problem also we had on Sunday was not creating enough clear-cut chances. I and mean, Bruno had a very poor first half, but had a wonderful... Uh, finish wonderful volley um, to get us back into the game at half time, and I went into half time feeling pretty confident we were going to win the game at that point. Yeah, so did I, and we had a better second half, but it didn't really, but it, it didn't materialise. I think we only, only looked like Maguire was the one, and this is to his credit, he was breaking that inside left channel all the time, trying to create some space, but it felt improvised and a bit of a last-ditch plan when he kept doing it rather than having a structured way of how we're going to find that second goal. Well, he also... We were lucky not to not to lose that because um, he got he got out-muscled again. Well, not again, but Maguire got out-muscled by the same fella who should have scored one or two, you know, should have scored one or two more. Um, I think... <laughs> At the end of the day, a one-all draw, we we probably didn't deserve more. Um, the only thing that's a problem with modern-day defending, I know the Maguire one you're thinking about when um, he barely got touched, fell over, thinking he was going to get a foul from the referee, and De Gea jumped up and made the, the second save from the shot. Do you think that's a problem with modern-day defending where people are getting touched and they're rolling over and relying on referees to get them out of defensive trouble when they when they should be doing their defensive job? Well, I mean, we saw it, we've seen it over the last couple of decades. Is, you know, is it wrong for me to say it came in from the continent to, to play that kind of gamemanship? But I, that, the soft and the soft, there was no chance that Maguire was ever going to get that. That was way too soft. I would hazard, you know, I, I don't want to call him a cheat or anything, but that was pretty close to the line. I didn't like that at all. Um, well, he thought there should have been a foul. No. Oh, you thought Maguire should have dealt with it? I thought Maguire should have dealt with it. He should, yeah. Going down, he shouldn't, he shouldn't have been calling. No, I, 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 I mean, for the benefit of the podcast, I could disagree with you, but I actually do agree with you. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it, was, it was soft and he's got to deal with that. I mean, he can't rely on the referee to give a foul and get him out of trouble when yeah. he either nods it out for a, a corner or, or clears it for a throw-in. He did nothing. He just hoped that the ref would bail him out. And that's kind of always a bit of a problem with Maguire and Lindelof 
in that that's how they get caught out. Well, and it's it's, it's a huge it's a huge issue. I mean, you know, this week this week we learned that um, that long term target up Meccano is now signed for Bayern. They've um, you know it's not a huge release clause. They've got themselves a bit of a bargain. What often strikes me that players that play in Germany they should aspire to playing in a better league, not just go and join Bayern every time to win what's usually a one stroke two horse race. It's 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 not. Um, I mean, it is a one-off. I mean, it is a one-off race, really. I mean, yeah. I mean, Bayern have won the league so many times. Similarly, the problems happen in Italy with Juventus. Inter are challenging this year with Conte. You know, Spain for the first. This is the blessing, maybe, of the pandemic. Is that maybe it's evened up a few things over last summer that people couldn't buy and reinforce. I mean, Atletico um, got Suarez of Barcelona and now top of the La Liga. Uh, well, France is a walking Paris Lukaku is on, on fire with Conte's Inter. You know him and um, that that fella that, uh, that Chelsea were interested, City were interested in. Latoro Martinez. Yeah, yeah, Latoro. That's one. Those two. That's a brilliant partnership. <laughs> I think. Um, well, we didn't. You know, going back just finishing off on West Brom. You know, we didn't. I, I think Ollie was everything Ollie said was I thought right after the game. How we didn't really deserve of the three points so much. And I think he was aware that the performance at times was soft and, and inadequate. He did pick the team. I mean, you know, Maguire after the game said, um, you're not going to come here and create 10 chances against West Brom. And that, and that was a problem. And it, and I'll tell Harry something that every time between a team between November the 8th and February the 2nd, every team that's gone to West Brom has created over 10 chances. So it just gets to me that this was another example of a mentality issue in the squad. But every time there's a chance to put pressure on, to take the lead, to cope with leading the Premier League or challenging or getting closer or reacting to somebody else's poor result, they haven't been able to do it. In in the last year and a half, only Liverpool in the Cup have, have they shown the right mentality to win a big game when it mattered to me. And that's that's the biggest worry for going forward, I think, and I think that's what the next three months need to prove. Can they can they break through that ceiling? And is Ollie the man that can inspire them to do that? I'm not going to criticise Ollie. He's had an I mean, that's that, that's the question, isn't it? I mean, that, that's going to be the question that gets needs to be asked by the end of the season. And I think he's got some issues, and um, he needs to he needs to solve. And Henderson is a case in point. Baye is another one. Van der Beek is another one. Um, when do you think Ollie will make the leap and put Henderson in goal, get Bailly to centre-back and give Van der Beek a go? I think the fact that we've dropped so many points in the last five games means that we are not as comfortable as we could have been. Uh, he needs, we need Europe. And I don't think Ollie wants to make any risks, take any risks until we, we, we're certain of, of being in Europe. And I don't think we can be certain of, of, of getting that place in Europe because it's so tight in the top four now. I mean, the fact that we've dropped, I don't know, in the last five games, we've won one, drawn three, lost one. We, out of 15 points, we've got six. We've dropped nine points. You know, we, we're behind City by seven points. They've got a game in hand, so at most it's 10 points. We'd still be in there, and these are silly points that we've dropped. They're marginal points. It's not like we've been uh, demolished 6-1. It's by, by common consensus, West Brom and Sheffield United are down. And we've taken one point from six of them. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I mean, it's crazy. 
And that Everton, that last minute Everton equaliser was the biggest kick in the balls of, 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 uh, I can remember recently. So um, I, I think, I think, Ollie, we're all crying out a little bit of saying, put Edison goal, let's find him out, get Bailly back in, let's find out, give Van der Beek a go. I don't think he's going to do that yet. I think he's going to wait a few weeks because we've got Chelsea and Man City coming up. And I think he's going to pick the players he trusts. And he yeah. trusts Fred together with McTominay. He trusts Lindelof and Maguire. He trusts De Gea, right? But I think after though, if we if we have problems against those teams, and we therefore we go into the last dozen games in the Premier League, that might be the time he goes right. I'm going to give Henderson a run now. It's the end of the season, and find out if I do need a new goalkeeper in the summer. I'm going to put Baye in there if he can stay fit, and um, see if we can get higher up the pitch and defend the ball better. Um, I think that'll be the time he does it. So I don't think it's imminent that he's going to make those changes we're kind of all calling for. No, no, because we're not we're not safe enough. Um, the, Henderson does need a ten to game, ten to twelve game run. Van der Beek, we can wait for next season. Just blood him in gently. We've, you know, who knows what's going on there. But I think Bailly, if he could stay fit, isn't such a gamble. And I think Bailly should be in for the next for next game because. Unless he's he's picked up another training and injury, which seems to happen more often than not. Well, let's talk about that in the second half of the Manchester United Redcast. We'll be back after these messages. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct... Something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen. Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Hello and welcome back to the Manchester United Redcast with me, Chris Curley, and of course, my compadre, Ben Paul. Ben, a big week coming up um, at Old Trafford. Uh, we, we're back into Europe with the Real Sociedad um, from Spain. Um, Europa League Thursday nights. Are we pumped and excited for that? Uh, I'm pumped and excited to, uh, to see more football. Um, I love seeing two games a week, three games a week sometimes. I'm not, I'm not complaining. I think it's important to keep momentum going. I think, it's import- I think we've got a squad big enough to take on the UEFA Cup. Uh, it's not the Champions League, but you know that—that's what happens when, when you get knocked out. Well, um, we haven't to, we haven't to go to Italy. Um, we haven't got to Italy on um, Thursday night, and it's a six o'clock in the evening kickoff our time to play Sociedad. And I think it's kind of Sociedad have had a great season so far. Um, older viewers will remember Sociedad from the time John Aldridge uh, spent there in the early nineties. Um, but Sociedad is also where David Moyes went to kind of rekindle his managerial career after after United too. Um, they've had a really strong start to the season. They're currently fifth, just outside the Champions League places. Um, 
And they've got Adnan Yanazai on their books, of course, who we know well, right? We do know well. There was a time when we thought it was the next big, uh, well, wouldn't say the new, the new Ronaldo, but you said to me once you thought he was better than Ronaldo. No, I never said that. <laughs> no, I never said that. Come on, don't be silly. Okay. I would never make some hyperbolic statement as such as that. No way. No um, way. No, I think you said he's better than Obertan and better than Bellion. And Bebe, I'd have said that. Yeah. I mean, Yanazai is a great product of our youth system and United, of course, have got a fantastic youth record um, having a member of our youth team, a youth team graduate in the first team squad um, for every game since 1937, which is a phenomenal achievement for now, everybody in the club. Can and we the team at the moment are full of youth team products um, have you noticed any youth team players that um, you think could make that step up, Ben? Yes, I have, funnily enough. It's like we planned that, isn't it? It's, it's an incredible did. stat to think that since 1937, that's way before I was born, um, it's even before Drew Mann was born, The um, to have a player in the actual match day squad from the academy every single game without fail is incredible. Yes, I have been watching the... We've both been watching the youth team. They're incredibly exciting. They beat, um, they beat Arsenal 3-0 at the weekend. My the, the player that stands out for me at the moment is Hannibal. I think he's incredible. He's the stature of the bloke. He's six foot tall. He's got strength. He's got pace. He's got this agility. He can pick out a pass. He can tackle. He's box to box. And he scores beautiful goals. I'm really impressed by him. He's been um, promoted to the first team squad, as has um, Shola Shortire. And I think, um, has Galbraith been promoted as well? Uh, Gal, Galbraith, not not quite uh, yet. Um, obviously, Diallo, Hannibal, Shortire. I think they expect that Joe Hugill will get promoted by the end of the season. Uh, Joe is 17, playing in the under-23s, scoring a bag full of goals this season. Um, in an age group way above his level, really. And he was a buy last summer from Sunderland for 300,000. And he's, he's got very, you know, people are comparing him to Harry Kane. Um, he, you know, he's got the physique of an Alan Shearer type. He seems to be a very good one-touch finisher and a target man in the box. I mean, it is, it is promising. I mean, we've been promised before um, in terms of these youth players coming up into the first team, but they usually at least go on to have great Premier League careers. People like Danny Simpson, Kieran Richardson, um, Phil Bardsley, all have had great... Sam Johnston. Sam Johnston is doing it now, Tom Heaton. Um, you know, there's a good crop of them who who come through and do well. Yanazai, of course, is doing well at, at Sociedad. Um, it, it, yeah, it's an exciting time. And they, they actually, at the games I've watched of them recently, they're playing very much like the first team. I mean, they can't defend properly, but they score goals. Um, I mean, Hugh Gill scored four goals against Liverpool, which, you know, he would he would have scored fifth, but he gave the fifth, he gave the penalty to Ahmed Diallo, purely saying, I wanted him to fit in. I wanted him to feel good about his first game. Lovely gesture. He's, he looks like Kane. He's lanky. He's about six foot tall. He scored 16 in 19, and 12 of those are starts. He's, um, he's not got blistering pace, but he looks he looks a player. Him and, and Hannibal look players. I didn't realise, but Hannibal cost us five million from Monaco. You know, the, the guy's 18. I think that was for his hairdresser. Yeah. 
but he could go up to 10 million. And he's he's an attacking midfielder. They say he can play in the same team as Bruno. I don't know if that means he, he can take a Pogba role. Um, with an, Hannibal, with an Hannibal, of those three that you've mentioned, Hannibal, for me, feels like he's the one that could break through yeah. sooner than them. I mean, physically, he's getting there. Um, you can tell he's a bit more developed than them. I, he is breaking away at under-23 level now from people. He's breaking challenges. Um, he gets brought down a lot and kicked Kingdom Come at that level at the moment because they can't handle him. And that's a worry. I know the youth coach was quoted as saying he's worried someone's going to break Hannibal's leg because of how they treat him there. Um, I, I th- it's interesting where he plays. He's very um, number eight, number 10 type, you know, I think. it's going to, how he, he, might, he could end up being a double... He might develop physically into being um, a central midfield player. Be interested in how he physically develops to see what kind of position he's going to find himself in. It is it is good to, to know that there are some good kids coming through, which you know the Glazers will be happy with because um, it's cheaper yeah. than buying buying a seventy million pound centre back. The um, what I'm also interested in, I want to see how Mengi's going to get on at Derby because he's got the qualities of um, that will will sit quite nicely next to Maguire. He's, you know, he's six foot tall. He could still grow a little, an inch or two, but he's quick and he's strong and he's got a left foot. So I don't know if you've, you've kept any tabs on him at Derby, but the manager there seems to know a thing or two. The manager is doing quite well. I saw a great um, choreographed corner they took where they got a brilliant goal from. It's like an NFL set piece. It was fantastic. Really? Checked out on YouTube from last week against, I think it was Rotherham. I'm not sure. It was it. I can't quite remember. But, um, you know, Tedden is needs that man's football experience. And going back to the centre half again is that the one reason Ollie can't change Lindelof and Maguire is he can't trust the others because they can't stay fit. You know, so it's that is a problem. It's a real, a real, real problem. And I think it depresses the forwards because the forwards now know I've got to definitely score two, at least two, to win this game. And you don't really want to have to go into games thinking you don't trust your you're back four when they're giving such soft goals away, especially from set pieces. And that's, that's been a problem all, all season. That set piece, it was a joke. We felt against Everton and we felt against, against West Brom, the same thing. Just, we, 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 we weak at those set pieces. There's been a few centre-halves mentioned. There's a few centre-halves mentioned every single week. This one, the, the one, the most notable one, Tyrone Mings. Um, I can't stand I could, let's talk about, right, let's hit this, let's end this right now. Tyrone Mings is in absolutely no way good enough for Manchester United Football Club. He, Maguire turns quicker than him. He is soft. I don't like Tyrone Mings. Yes, Villa having a great season, but for me, he is not good enough for us. No, no. way is he good enough. No, absolutely. That's why top of the list. They're still they're still t- uh, touting around Varane, but that's probably because he wants a new deal at Real. Um, but Jules Koundé is still up there as, as potential, even the f- five foot ten. I mean, I was listening to Jamie Carragher at the weekend. Uh, it's a hard listen, but you have to. Um, I didn't realize he's you know he's six foot, and he was often he said he'd leave the high balls to Sammy Hupia. Can a five foot ten Jules Koundé, who's he's a Brazilian. He he plays like well, and he plays like a Brazilian. He's just a, you know, he can can we afford a five foot ten, beautiful ball player, um, great tackler to play alongside the aerial dominance of a Maguire? 
That's my question. I don't. I know if don't know. know if he's robust enough physically. I mean, Canate has much more of a powerful physique. I mean, Baye has all the qualities we need, but we just can't keep him fit, and he's prone to an absolute lack of concentration. Um, Canate, I'm much more interested in. At, um, at Leipzig Upa I like to, are they going to sell both their centre-halves up Meccano's going doubt, probably not probably not but who knows I mean it's that, I'm talking about the profile of play that we need I'm not sure Canate's um, injury record is that strong either I think he has been out for quite a while in the last 18 months at times so it's it's a tough one I mean there's loads of, also you've got to think about the market and everybody needs a centre-half Liverpool still need one. Chelsea need one. Need probably need two. Arsenal definitely need two. Um, City probably okay, but a lot of big clubs need centre halves, and they're few and far between. It'd be interesting how the market deals with the fees and the pandemic next summer, and whether the prices will go back up to levels that people think they will. I don't think they will. I think there'll be deals to be done. I think there'll be um, exchanges to be made on the market, potentially. I think that might be something that, that occurs. Um, that's going to be something we can talk about in the weeks to come as we as we get closer. Um, we are Sociedad then. Prediction in the first leg? Um, God. I mean, dare I say it? Two, I think we'll... I always think we're going to win. I think we should win. 2-0 to United. I think we've got... Uh, yeah. I think, I think we'll get the... Let's get the away goal. We've got to get the away goal. That's most important. You can't go to nil away from home in Europe. Um, one-one for me. It'll be one-one draw. I think their confidence is a bit low. They're, they're playing. They're playing flat. They're flat at the moment, and something needs to change to give them a bit more energy and industry and creativity and put some vibes into that team. I hope Mason Greenwood plays. I think he can give it them. I think we might see Mason step forward for the rest of the season, back to the levels we know he's capable of. I hope so anyway. Do you know what? I'd rather have Dan James on the right wing than than Rashford. I'd rather just stick with Rashford on the left. If it means dropping Martial, that's the, that's what you have to do. But Dan James has got... I'm done with Martial for a bit. Having playing Martial, right, on the left, one, he's sulking because he's not playing centre-forward. And two... It undermines Rashford, and Rashford's better on the left than Martial. Totally. Offers more penetration. Yeah. So for me, Martial has to be stuck on the bench and then come on for the last 20 minutes once we've softened teams up yeah. and get his confidence back. Because he's playing in a sulk again like he was when Zlatan turned up and he wasn't the main man number nine. Yeah. Um, but they've got Newcastle on Sunday night, which you'd think is a good game to get some confidence back, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would do. I mean, they didn't, didn't they? What was their last result? They they won. Well, they played Chelsea on Monday night and got beat two 0 But they had they off. They were powered up off without Wilson up front. I mean, they offered very little. Yeah, well, I'm not um, Newcastle. Uh, dare I say, Newcastle is a team that's there to be beaten. Um, I don't, I don't. But I said that against West Brom, and I said said that against Sheffield United. You just never know. Um. I don't know much. For me, a Sunday is the perfect game to put Van der Beek in. You're not going to need two centre um, defensive midfielders in that team against yeah. Newcastle. You really shouldn't. They're going to sit back. Um, I think I would like to see Donny play in mid in a midfield two with Bruno and rotate and keep the ball and move it quicker and penetrate better. 
that's the kind of level of game where Donny van der Beek can play, get some confidence up, get some rhythm going, and let's find out if he can have an impact as a Manchester United footballer. So I, I hope he plays on Sunday. He'll probably play Thursday. Well, let's let's get him, let's get him going. Um, we need to because I think Pogba is a miss, has been a miss a little bit in yeah. terms of again taking that pressure off Bruno a little bit of being the sole creator. Um, but Newcastle to me feels like a good game to get back on track. I would think. Yeah, no, I agree. I'd love to see Donny play. <clears throat> I'd love to see him him doing the carrot role and spraying the balls around midfield. I'd love to see. Um, by e back, I don't think he's injured anymore. He has to step back. He has to come back. Well, I think for me, for the for the rest of the season, you know, my first eleven, and I think we'll get there by March after probably after we played City, will be Henderson, Wambasaka, Baye, Maguire, Shaw, Fred, Van der Beek, Bruno. Sorry, no, Fred Pogba, Bruno, Greenwood, Cavani, Rashford. I think that's that's my first eleven that I think might help us bring some silverware before the uh, season's out. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It's not to say Fred is, you know, he's he's got the best legs at the club. He's he's got the industry. I prefer McTominay as an overall player, but I think if you're going to stick a creative midfield in there, uh, a la Pogba, then Fred is probably a man. Yeah, I I can't disagree with that. Fred McTominay, I'm a bit, I'm a bit. You know, toss of a coin, really. Yeah. Um, but I've just gone with Fred because he seems to cover, cover the ground a bit quicker than McTominay over short spaces. But we'll see. Um, prediction against Newcastle then, Ben, before we go? Well, I, I, you know what? I'm going to go for 3 or 4-0. I always do because it's um, it's Newcastle and we can do it. So, fuck it. I'm going to go 3-0, a Cavani brace. Okay, all right. The spirit of Dan Riley has invaded me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll go for a Cavani brace. Um, ben, thanks for talking all things Man United this week. Thank you, Chris, for talking Man United with me. Well, what else are you going to do during a global pandemic when you're not working, right? Well, you know, I've, I've got about, you know, we're going to work out like the, the Adonises that we are. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> um, I will just cheer you on from the sidelines. Um, thank you for listening, listener, wherever you are, Paul in Houston. Um, to my mum and dad, a happy 47th wedding anniversary. 47 years. Can you imagine being married for 47 years? It's nuts, isn't it? God. God. I think if I'm married, for, I'll be probably more than, I'll be in 90, I'll be 92 if I'm married for 47 years. Doing anything for 47 years just sounds crazy. But that's what we probably do as Man United fans. That's We're not going to change uh, that relationship, are we? We're stuck with each other. Um, anyway, that's it for this time on Man United Redcast. I'm Chris Curley and... One thing less to say is, come on, you Reds. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at unitedredcast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.